Welcome friends, I am Sam Goldsmith and this is Namaste Type A for women who slay at some things and suck at others. Today we are talking all things disordered eating and I'm super excited to open up this conversation. If you've ever struggled with any issues related to body image, diet related stuff, weight, extreme eating plans, over-attention to food or under-attention to food, things like binge eating or food phobias or any other sneaky relationship issue that's going down between you and your food, you are definitely in the right place and you're going to love um, today's topic. So this is not just for diet obsessed people or clean eaters. We all have areas in our lives where these tricky issues with food can come up. It might be something like yo-yo dieting or if you're like me, you might have struggled with sugar addiction. Um, I know a lot of people that I talk to my coaching practice will say that they ate a whole packet of sweets before they went to bed or um, different things like that. So it's not just for diet obsessed people. We're really just opening up a conversation around healthy relationships with food. And today I am joined by Brayley Conney. She is a uh, from the soul fulfillment approach and she's a holistic life coach who works with women specifically around areas of clarity courage and confidence and she understands firsthand and from her coaching practice the physical emotional and spiritual stuff that lies behind uh, disordered eating so Brayley specializes in um, recovery coaching and she focuses specifically on digging deep to overcome things like body dysmorphia calorie counting uh, calorie compensation negative self-talk disordered thought patterns over-exercising and a variety of other body image and self-worth food related issues so welcome Braylee. hi sam thank you for having me so welcome and so excited for you to be here. Um, Braylee, could you just start with a little bit of an exploration around your own story and how you came to be working with women the way that you are today? Definitely. All right. So I guess we can just dive right in. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> My disordered eating started around the age of 11. So I was very young and it really kind of started with me wanting to freaking it started with me freaking out about hitting puberty and started gaining this weight and I didn't know what to do with it and I had this fear of becoming bigger than my mom because my mom is this very tiny petite person and so I started really restricting my calories and started exercising a lot it started out very innocent and even my parents were like, oh, you look, you look really good. You're just getting more fit and healthy. And so I took that and ran with it. And by the age of 12 or 13, I was officially diagnosed with anorexia. And I was admitted to a outpatient program where I had to go there every week. I was missing a lot of school. I really did not want to be there and so I lied and I lied and I lied to get myself out of there and got my body to a point where I could convince the doctors and my parents that I was okay and I was able to get better on my own and that I was all I was basically all better and so they shortened like my doctor's stays and I had to go less and less and less and I was off the hook Meanwhile, I still totally was not 
okay <laughs> at all. I had gotten my period back, which is what they wanted, but mentally I was still a disaster. And as soon as they took me out of their sight, I spiraled back down into my disordered hole. And I was very frustrated with the doctors because all they seemed to care about was getting you to a certain weight and making sure you had your period. And they didn't pay any attention really to your mental state. And the approach was so by the book and following the rules that there was no room for a personal approach where they got to know you as a person and helped you work through the things that were going on in your mind. And that really frustrated me about kind of the inpatient outpatient program and I wanted nothing to do with it. And so a few years passed and I kind of just floated under the radar and eventually I decided I need to start getting better because this is destroying my body. And so I did something called the mini mod approach and I basically just ate a lot of food, whatever I wanted. And I gained quite a bit of weight and I got my period back. But meanwhile, my brain was still very sick. I was still like counting the calories, even though it was a higher amount of calories. And it was just very, I was not well, even though I was physically well. And then I moved away to college and relapsed harder than ever and ended up at a lower weight than I had been in elementary school. And now I was almost 19, 20. And I came back from Hawaii very, very stuck in my ways, eating barely anything, exercising for hours. And then I fell in love. <laughs> and I was able to kind of push my problems under the rug because I was so caught up in who is now the love of my life. And then came a point where he started getting concerned and he's like, what are you doing to yourself? Are you okay? Is this going to affect our future? And that really made me start to think, what damage have I done to my body so far? And will I not be able to have children? Because I want to have children with this person one day. Mm -hmm. So I brought it up to him that if there was a possibility that I couldn't have children, then I would be okay if he left because I wouldn't want that to, I wouldn't want him to hold that against me for our relate in our relationship. And he told me, don't make me do that. I love you so much. And that was kind of my kick in the butt. That became my why. And I decided to really get serious about recovery. And so that really started everything. And I started to take rest, not exercise as much, really pay attention to how much I was eating and work through the mental part of it. And I did it myself. I didn't go to a doctor. I really kind of sat with my thoughts and discovered, try, did trial and error of what worked and what didn't work to get me through these problems that were coming up. And I would feel like I was doing really good. And then I'd fall back harder than I ever thought. And then the next day when I thought the whole world was ending, I'd be further along than I'd ever been. And I, that's when I realized that recovery is not a straight line. You go up and down all over the place. And, but meanwhile, you're still always going forward 
a little bit. And something that really helped me in this time was I decided to try out a vegan diet. And I know a lot of people are like, this is probably not good. That's just another way to be disordered. But I think it really depends on how you're going at it. For me, it was a way to see food as nutrition and fuel rather than calories and to know that what I was putting into my body was doing me good and helping me heal. And it gave me something to focus on besides recovery because focusing on recovery can often just make you more obsessed with it and it gives you something to obsess on and you worry if you're doing recovery right or wrong and it just feeds into the disorder. And so veganism was something that I was able to focus on and kind of help get me through my recovery. And now here I am. <laughs> I am happier and freer than I ever have been with food. I am healthy and I am so grateful for all of my struggles because they've put me in this position where I am happier than I've ever been in my whole life. And I am able to help people who are going through the hell that I have gone through realize that there is a light on the other side and to help guide them through it. And yeah, that's now I'm here. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. And I just, this is what fascinates me so much about the work that you do with women and the way that you speak about it is it's not a clinical approach. So it's not, you know, you, if you've got an eating disorder and it's classified in this way, then, you know, we'll put you into this categorical box. It's really more of an open discussion around the concept of disordered eating and how that can apply to so many different women in so many different ways. So I'm super interested to hear about your thoughts on exactly what constitutes disordered eating um, and particularly like sneaky ways that those things that you mentioned that create that disordered eating, how they're kind of um, popping up in the lives of women around things like um, veganism or super restrictive um, diet plans, even super restrictive clean eating, um, and some of the subtle ways that we might not be recognizing that the mental and um, emotional aspects of disordered eating could be coming into our lives. Absolutely. And something that is so frustrating about disordered eating now is because you don't have to be diagnosed with anorexia or bulimia or anything to have disordered eating and to have it severely affect your life right. and to have an issue and something that comes up so much with people who are really struggling and they're realizing that their habits around eating and exercising are consuming their life and they know it's not normal but they feel like it has to be normal because this is what society is promoting. Something that comes up for them is there, I'm not sick enough to get help. I'm like supposed to be doing this because I have to be thin or this is how everybody eats. Everybody's on a diet because it's so promoted in the media. We're taught day in and day out from a very young age that there's something wrong with us, that we need to be fixed we should be looking this certain way and wearing these certain clothes and behaving in this manner 
And you can't be healthy unless you eat super clean and exercise all the time. And that's just not true. I mean, that could be very healthy for somebody and really not healthy for another, especially if you're that type A kind of person that wants to take everything to the extreme. Mm -hmm. And definitely, I am one of those people. I always have been a perfectionist, wanting to get everything right, kind of wanting to achieve purity through external sources. So how pure could I make my diet? How well could I do in school? How good of a girlfriend and a daughter could I be? And the truth is purity cannot be achieved from anything external. I mean, uh, one example I always use is people try and people thinking they'll be pure in what they eat and how thin they are. Look at wonderful people who aren't the the thinnest, like Oprah. I mean, would you say Oprah is not a pure, wonderful, beautiful person? But she's definitely not the thinnest. And so placing that importance and purity and greatness in appearance and external factors is just a way to send yourself down that rabbit hole because it's just like perfectionism. It can never be truly attained. It's kind of a means to getting nowhere. And sneaky ways that this pops up is by certain diets, not eating certain macros, counting your macros, constantly counting your calories, thinking you need to exercise a ton. Some people don't even, they won't eat foods of a certain color or They'll only eat at certain times of day. Um, intermittent fasting, while it can really be beneficial to some people, it can be taken to the extreme and become an eating disorder, as well as the newest one, intuitive eating, which I think it's kind of funny that there even needs to be rules for intuitive eating because mm. everybody's intuition is different and it's intuitive, so you should not be told how to do it. Um, and sometimes intuitive eating is eating a pint of ice cream because you're sad. I mean, that's mm-hmm. intuitive. <laughs> it's not always eating until you're 80% full. I mean, you don't have a measure, of, like, line on your stomach that you can check and be like, oh, I think I'm 80% full now. <laughs> I feel like that's so anti-intuitive. <laughs> um, right. Down to this need, this huge lack of self-love. I mean, what healed me the most in my recovery was learning to love myself because once you love yourself, you're giving that approval to yourself. You don't need to be anything for anybody because really when you love yourself, you can't. You cannot pour from an empty cup. And so with my coaching, we really dig down deep into all any kind of problem that anybody's having in their life and when we get to the bare root of it it's because they're not giving themselves their own love and so really working on building that self-love that confidence that approval filling their own cup is how they end up developing into the person that they have been trying so hard to be and to really feel whole and happy 
and are able to serve and shine their brightest in this world. Yeah, I agree so wholeheartedly. I don't know if you're familiar with an author called Anita Morjani. She wrote a book called Dying to Be Me and she was a lady who suffered with a terminal illness and she had a spontaneous, well, she had a near-death experience and a spontaneous recovery. But I remember being at one of her talks with Dr. Wayne Dyer about three or four years ago and she said someone in the crowd asked a question about you know how you can make decisions without having to have gone to a near-death experience to get that clarity about um, about your life and you know what what works for you and what doesn't work for you and she said well I simply just ask myself or I would encourage you to ask yourself what would I do if I loved myself And that was such a powerful resonance for me because I started applying it to so many areas of my life, including diet and exercise. And just what you were saying about, you know, um, recognizing whether something is actually nourishing to us or not comes back to whether we, we ask ourselves that question, like, if I loved myself, would I be doing this? And I can say personally, like a lot of strenuous yoga practices and things that I had been doing up until that time, I just stopped doing them because I realized that it wasn't coming from a place of love, nourishment, respect for my body. It was coming from a as you say, more of that type A, like I want to be able to do this. I want to do it the best. I want to have the cleanest body. I want to, you know, all of those, um, those obsessive type structured things that you want to do if you are fitting into that um, personality characteristic. So I think that's just such a powerful point to bring home that when we're moving into those spaces of doing those things, it's really just moving away from a, a love for ourselves. And that can be a guide to pull us back to um, all the areas of our life and, and things that you might be working with people in your um, coaching practice for sure. Absolutely. And another thing is we end up, we label things as good and bad and our bodies like our brains and our bodies do not understand something essential for survival, food, being labeled as bad. So it really confuses the brain when we label certain foods as good and certain foods as bad. And that in itself causes a huge sense of like dis-ease and anxiety in our bodies and our brains because it doesn't understand Absolutely. So I know that during this this um, podcast, we're really just touching the tip of the iceberg and maybe opening people's minds for the first time to um, other concepts around disordered eating. So I'm super interested to hear just a couple of your top tips or your golden, golden nuggets about ways to improve our relationship with our diets or with our perceptions around food. Mm, for sure. I would definitely, something rather than intuitive eating, I like to focus on mindful eating. And in this way, you're really seeing food as medicine. And with exercise, you're seeing exercise as fun. That way, food is not just the enemy and there's calories and exercise isn't work. It makes it more of a, you're coming from a place of love for yourself rather than obligation and striving to be something for somebody else. And so some ways that I 
practice mindful eating and I help my clients start practicing mindful eating is to first of all pay attention to what is caught what your intention is going into eating so are you eating for fuel which is really to out of love things that are really going to give you energy and nutrition are you eating for fun which is like okay the occasional cupcake or ice cream because you're out with your friends or it's your birthday are you eating out of habit or in a fog like you're just eating potato chips mindlessly in front of the tv or you're scrolling on your phone while you're eating dinner and you don't realize that you ate way more than you should have or you ate and now you don't feel full because you didn't actually go through the process and be present of eat while you were eating. And then the other kind is kind of this storm reactionary eating, which can be classified as like binging or eating to fill a void or to not feel something else. And so really paying attention of to what your intention is while you're going into eating is can really help you kind of step back and take a look at the reason and maybe change your intention if it's not where you'd like it to be and also looking at the bigger picture so do you want to be counting your macros and explaining to your grandchildren when you're 80 years old that you have to measure out the peanut butter on your sandwich or you can't eat this you can't have a piece of their birthday cake because it has too many calories. And think about if this is really sustainable, if this is going to be a long-term practice that you want to carry into the rest of your life. And also, what would you tell someone in your shoes? And so if someone else was doing what you were doing, would you see it as normal? What would you tell them once if they were freaking out over the macros or calories and their birthday cake or if they re absolutely refuse to try a bite of something because it might mess up their ratios for the day or if they're spending three hours at the gym and missing important family events and so really kind of put yourself in the shoes of somebody else and what advice would you give them and take that advice for yourself and then the final one is and this is something i've been doing recently that's really helped me slow down and be more present while I'm eating is first of all I bless my food and I set the intention of how I want to be eating so like I talked before about for fuel or for fun or you're in a fog or you're eating kind of in a storm reactionary state I like to set my intention for fuel eating so that the food I'm about to take in brings all of my cells life. It allows me to serve in the best way possible. And I always mention that I'm going to eat it mindfully and that I'm very grateful. And then between each bite, I take a deep breath before I put it into my mouth so that it really centers me. And I watch the food leaving my plate. I make sure I'm savoring all the flavors. And it really helps we enjoy the experience of eating. It doesn't feel like a chore. It, remo it removes any anxiety. And it actually allows you to feel more satisfied because you're actually being present with the process and 
recognizing the food coming into your body and making you feel more energized and full. And I know I said that was the last one, but there is actually (laughs) one more. (laughs) Paying attention to your inner dialogue around food or when you're about to eat or while you're eating. If it's negative, that's going to create turmoil in your brain and in your body. And so checking in with your thoughts, are you labeling food as good or bad? Are you thinking the whole time this is going to make me fat? Or what if this isn't as many calories as I thought it was? Or did I eat too much? Did I eat too little? Check in with yourself and pick a calm thought. And if you can't pick a calm thought, pick a neutral thought. One that I really used a lot whenever I'd start counting calories in my head or worrying is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And that would just interrupt my train of thought and get me through whatever I was going through and till it was done and I didn't have to worry about it anymore. So yeah, Mm. those are some basic tips that really helped me get through it. But overall, just really working on self-love is going to make the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all of those insights. It's so, um, so fascinating. And I love your sharing about mindful eating because it really represents us presences us to our uniqueness and our uniqueness applies to our food as well. So whether you're worrying about you needing to be thinner or you're a, a larger person who is never going to be that super, 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 super thin, you might, you know, whatever it is that your unique body is wanting and needing and how it looks can you can do that practice that you just described and you can be your unique self within that eating practice which I just love absolutely and that's so important because there is no like cookie cutter approach to overcoming this stuff and loving yourself I mean everybody is absolutely different and that's that's what's so beautiful about us as humans, as spirits. It, we're all unique and we're all different. And we all need to be here because we all have a unique purpose and a unique light to contribute to like the overall shine of the world. Right. Thank you so much, Braley. We could talk about this for hours and I would love to have you back on the show another time. Maybe people will just, you know, listen to this for the first time or settle into a new approach to their food and we can come back and talk about something else in, in more detail. That would be amazing and serve so many people I know that are struggling with issues related to their food. So guys, if you're interested in checking out Braley's work or going deeper with her personally, so she is a personal coach for people who are wanting to dig deeper in this area, you can check out her website, which is um, www.thesoulfulfillmentapproach.com or you can follow her on Instagram at plantfedprincess. Braley, thank you so much for being here and for being part of this super important conversation and sharing your personal story. I know that it's going to, um, it's going to resonate with a lot of uh, listeners. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And I just want to make one little correction. It's fulfillment, so there's no fulfillment in the middle. That's like a constant problem everybody has. Um, thank you so much. Confusing. Can you just spell that out? So thank you so much for correcting me on that. So if you can just spell out your website so people can check that out and get to the right place, that would be awesome. 
Yes, it's www.soulfilment.com. Perfect. All right, friends, uh, next week on the show, I'm going to actually, Braley had a wonderful segue for us in relation to next week's topics. Next week on the show, I'm going to be talking specifically about mindful eating. So the whole, uh, the whole episode is going to be focused around mindful eating practices and how tuning into our um, guidance can help us to really um, overcome some of these issues that we've spoken about today and bring a better, more healthy relationship to our food and to our, um, our diet and our selection. I'm also going to be sharing an amazing book that totally changed everything for me about how I view food. Uh, so please join me for that. And just thank you once again, Braley. It was so wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. So welcome. So uh, thank you, friends. Permission granted to go out there and absolutely namaste the shit out of whatever you are working on this week. And I will talk to you soon.